you'll turn there with me. And this is one of the greatest things that Paul ever wrote. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. But I don't just want to give you this picture of a theological concept. I, I want this to resonate with your heart and with your life. I want this to be something that you can apply to, to your own context where you find yourself this morning. I want it to be something that relates with, with you. And I want to paint a vivid picture in your mind this morning that I think you will be able to resonate with, is that we were paralyzed in sin as Christians, but God raised us to walk in Christ. We were paralyzed in sin, but God raised us to walk in Christ. If you turn to Ephesians 2, what you will see this morning is we're continuing this this theme, right? And we're continuing this theme of a family. And what we're going to read in verses 1 through 10 today, I'm going to be honest, there's not a lot of family context. But why I think this is so important for us, especially in the family context, is this is what makes us a family this morning. The reason why whenever the Vaughn family mourns or one of us mourns, the reason why you want to cry as well, the reason why you feel saddened this morning as well, is because you know we're a part of the family. And when one person in the family hurts, we all hurt. And when one person rejoices, we all rejoice. And I'm going to be honest, this is especially important for our church today because I believe that what we are at White Oak is we are a very diverse family, especially age-wise. And I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of people, as as a young pastor myself, people will say that what we're trying to do here in terms of making a church that fits for all people of all ages and all ethnicities, they'll say that's ministry suicide, right? You tend to find two predominant churches in the world today. There's the church... um, many of which you find in our community, where they're predominantly uh, senior adults. They're predominantly senior adults. You find other churches, these are the newer churches usually, it's primarily young families and young people and young singles. And, and you tend to find a church that's either one or, or the other. And, and, and some churches, they, they, they idolize tradition and the past and the way it was and how things used to be. And other churches, they idolize the young family They idolize kids' ministry and and basically creating a safe, no-risk environment where you can follow Jesus, but it costs you nothing except a tithe to ramp up the kids' ministry. And what we are trying to do, of what some people say is suicide, is to create a church for all people. And so that makes our text this morning infinitely important because a lot of us, we don't relate in terms of our age or our socioeconomic status. We don't We don't relate in terms of our upbringing. We're very diverse. But one thing that we relate in this morning as a family of God is we have faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. That is what unites us. There are some of you in this room, you're really rich. And there's some of you, you're trying to figure out how to pay the mortgage this week. There are some of you where you you like all the modern stuff, all the new stuff. You're always looking to upgrade everything in the church. And there's some people where it's hard to realize that the times have changed a little bit, especially in our culture. And I want to say that I realize in our context how hard that is. I really do. I I understand how hard change is, and I understand how hard it is for some people to realize that we can't do every new thing in the church that comes in, right? We've got a diverse group. And so as we read this this morning... 
I want you to realize personally that what Paul is saying is that we were paralyzed in sin, but God raised us to walk in Christ. But from a family perspective, as we read this this morning, I want you to realize this is what unites us. And I also want you to realize that this text is amazingly beautiful. Stay with me this morning. Let's read Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 together. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up here on the screen for you. Follow along with us. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, it says this. Paul says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. You may be seated at this time. Paul begins very clearly. He's got some tough news, but then some beautiful news. And so as a preacher this morning, I have some, some revealing news, I will say to you, and then I have some very, very good news. Paul begins with an interesting thing that I don't think relates really well in our world today. He says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. The Bible over and over and over and over again relates sin and death. Sin and death. Romans 3.23, Paul says, for the wages of sin is death, okay? And in our world today, what we don't realize is that sin makes us spiritually paralyzed. To be paralyzed is to be partially or completely incapable of movement. And the reason why I like this illustration is because no matter how athletic and able-bodied you are, we're all transitioning to a life of not being able to move very well, Amen. Some of us are a little further down the road, okay? Some of us feel like we can do anything in this time, but you give it a few years, and eventually your body will begin to give you issues. And I like this idea because every person in this room, you deal with that. Have you ever been hurt physically? Have you ever been, like, broken your leg or broken your arm or been, been hindered in your movement? And what Paul says is that when we started out, when we begin to sin in this life, we are dead, And what we don't realize is that because we sin, it makes us hard to pursue God. 
Back in the days of, of Israel, back in the Old Testament, you would see that before somebody would come into the temple, oftentimes the priests would, would cleanse themselves, even physically sometimes, and they would repent of the things they have done. They would make sacrifices because they believed that if they walked before God with their sin, it would hinder their relationship with him. People will say, I don't feel God. You've heard someone say that, I don't feel God. Well, of course you don't feel God. You're dead, right? I've used the illustration of like uh, Bruce Willis in The Sixth Sense before. We're at the, enti- the end of the movie. The irony is he's been dead this whole time. And what Paul tells us, he's like, if you want abundant life, you have to realize that because you've sinned and walked away from God, because we're imperfect people, because we've done that, it's hard to pursue God. We don't see God. We don't feel God because of the sin that is in our lives, because God is perfect and he's beautiful and he's holy and our sin is everything that God is not. And so the more that we align our lives with sin, the less familiar we become with God. And so Paul begins this morning by saying, if you don't have faith, or if you feel like your faith is dead, it's because your sin has made it to where you are unable to approach God. You can't find him. You're looking around. You're trying to do all this stuff, and none of it seems to work. And then he goes on to talk about the sons of disobedience and the desires of humanity that that we're all children of wrath. And, And what he says essentially is not only am I paralyzed, but we're all paralyzed in sin. We're equal opportunity at this church, right? We're all on the same page. And as you go through your life, many of you will, you'll be hurt by people. And you'll see the sin of humanity over and over again. One of the things I think is so beautiful is when I meet a senior adult who is at this point in their life still so happy, still so optimistic, still so full of life, because I know that in the span of their life, they've probably seen a lot of stuff. I've been hurt before by people, and I've hurt other people. And through your life, you're going to have all these instances where where things aren't going to work out, and you're going to realize the, the plight of man. I learned this very early on when I was young. I, uh... <laughs> When I was in kindergarten, maybe you remember they used to have those things where if you were a really good student, you'd get points, and then you could redeem those points for something, right? So I went to Durham Elementary here in the neighborhood back in the day, and um, I remember we had this carnival that would come in twice a year, and when the carnival came in, you could get all the, the, the toys you wanted based upon the, the points you had. But if you've ever been to Chuck E. Cheese, you will know very quickly that the entry-level toys are junk, right? Like, nobody wants those. Okay? You don't want the bouncy ball. You don't want the ring or the necklace. You don't want the blow thing. You want the really good stuff, but you can never afford it. You never have enough tickets. Okay? It's a scam. And even when you're five years old, you realize this is a scam, right? So I remember when I was five years old, me and my friends were a bunch of future wheeler dealers. We had this brilliant idea to work the system, right? And what we were going to do is instead of buying this cheap stuff that we didn't want, we were going to lose, we decided to team up all of our points together, and we were going to buy the ultimate prize, which was, ironically, this huge, like, lifelike gecko, right? This huge gecko. And we wanted it badly, right? Well, this is, we've got to have this gecko. And so we teamed up all of our points, and we said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to buy this, and then there's like about five or six of us, and then every day we'll just take it home, and I'll bring it back, and then it'll be your turn, and you'll take it, and you'll bring it back, and we'll just keep doing this till we're 40 or 50, because we're really going to care about this gecko when we're 40 and 50 years old, right? This will be our system for the rest of our lives. 
And so what happened is we began to do this, and the first day, the first guy that took it home, he didn't bring it back. And we're furious, right? He comes back, and he's like, so sorry, I totally forgot. We said, okay, you're a friend. Bring it back the next day. Comes back the next way. Oh, he said, my, my little brother was playing with it. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to take it from him. I felt bad. And we're furious. We're like, you've got to be kidding me. Bring this stupid thing back, right? And the next day, he finally brings it back. And the next friend takes it home. We have the same issue. He won't bring it back. He has all these excuses. And eventually, he's so offended that we're mad at him that he never brings it back, right? And so I give up all my points, and I never got my turn with the gecko. I was done with people at that point. I was five years old. I said, no, it's not me. And then something else happens. And then, you know, middle school and high school and college and marriage. And it's one thing after the next. And, and you realize we're just not good at, like, loving each other, right? We're, we're not good at this. And what Paul says is that this can be fixed See, the reason is, is because we're separated from God. We, we don't walk with him. We're, we're, not, we're not doing things the right way because we're immediately from the beginning when we start sinning in our lives, we're stuck in sin. But I want to turn to verse 4. I, wanna, I want you to see Paul's solution this morning. I, I want you to see what, not what we've done, but what God has done. In Ephesians 4, he says, But God, when we were in this situation, when we were paralyzed in sin, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. In verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of work, so that no one may boast. In verse 4, Paul says, but God. He doesn't say, but you were a really good person, right? doesn't say that. He didn't say you were paralyzed in sin, but you tried really hard to change yourself. But, but you were decided, you know, I don't want to deal with people. I'm just going to be myself. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, but you were a victim of your environment, and therefore God gave you a pass. It, it doesn't say that. Paul says that we were paralyzed in sin, but God just because he is awesome and good and perfect and holy and merciful and ultimately awesome, he reconciled us. He fixed the problem. You don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to be paralyzed in that sin or that addiction that always gets you. You don't have to be paralyzed in, in, in maybe depression or, or negativity or in a sin that you know is wrong, that God made us to walk in Christ Jesus because of his great love. You can be so alive this morning. You can spiritually awaken to who God is by realizing that Jesus is the one who will take you there. You see, when we were paralyzed in sin, Christ came down and took our hand and said, come with me. I'll show you how to do this. And he says, we receive this grace through faith. See, faith opens grace in our lives. When we believe what God said, we receive what God has. 
You say, okay, I, I, I get this. But what does that look like? I get it. Okay, so I got to believe. I've heard this a million times, John, for it's by grace you have been saved. You know, a lot of you, you memorized Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 sometime in your life. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. We're created for his work. You, you're like, I've memorized that, but what does that look like? Let me show you. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26, if you have your Bible. I want you to see this today. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26 you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. All you need to know before we read this is that this is what faith looks like. This is a perfect example of what faith is. This is the faith in Christ that heals. Luke 5, starting in verse 17, says, On one of those days, Jesus, as he was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him, Jesus, to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus." And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question the religious people, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. That is faith. Faith is a hole in the roof, amen? <laughs> and this is a beautiful image because this man was like paralyzed, okay? Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, and you were dead in your sins. There was nothing you can do. You were stuck. You couldn't move, right? You were completely unable. You were like a paralyzed man who was needing to walk but could do nothing in himself to make that happen. But then the paralyzed man's friends who... I kind of imagine his friends being like his like college brothers, like his fraternity brothers. I don't know why. That's kind of my image, right? Whatever was the illustration of a, of a first century fraternity, okay? The paralyzed man had his boys, and they were like, man, we heard about this guy named Jesus. We got to get you there because he can fix you up, right? He, he can heal you, right? And so they show up at this place because they know Jesus is healing everybody. But of course, all the religious people are in the way. Religious people are always in the way. They're there with their pens and their notebooks and they're taking really good notes and they're, they're trying to memorize what he's saying and they're, they're trying to compare it to the law. And this group shows up and says, we just need to get this guy healed. But the crowd is so big they can't get him in. They're like, we don't care. We're going to get up on the dadgum roof. We're going to get a hole in the roof and we're going to get this man to Jesus. It's like this beautiful image of like a, a tenacious faith. Like, I've got to get to Jesus no matter what. Some of us, like, a girl, like, one girl can, like, just totally lead us astray, right? One, one, like, you know, a couple hundred bucks can just totally knock us off 
our walk with Jesus. One, one thing in your life can totally move you off, but these guys were like, no matter what we have to do, we will bust down the doors to get this guy to Jesus. And it's this beautiful image that, that God uses people to bring other people to Jesus. That God wants to use us to take that person that you know and to get them to Jesus, that Christ can heal them through their faith. And then what Jesus says is a little bit uncomfortable for us. Let's be honest. This guy... I wonder what Jesus was thinking as this guy was like, like they, they had like a makeshift pulley system, right? And I'm not going to explain to you all the, the intricacies of a first century roof, but it was basically a hodgepodge of stuff, and they removed some of the stuff and created a hole and had some wires or whatever or, or some chains, and they, they got it on this guy's cot, and they lowered him down, and I bet Jesus was like, this is good. This is, like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, all the Pharisees are around him. He's like, this is what you need to be like, right? This is faith. I don't know what the paralyzed guy, he's probably, I don't know if he can move his head maybe or, or whatever, but, you know, I wonder if he looks over at him and he, he probably can't talk. And Jesus just said, because of your faith, you're not only, like, healed physically, your sins are forgiven. There wasn't, like, a membership class, which isn't wrong. There's not, like, a big discussion. You see, all Jesus saw was the hole in the roof. And I always ask myself, not in these terms, but my life and my continual growth in Jesus is like, man, what, what do I need to kill in my life? What hole do I need to create to get to Jesus? And people always, they come and they've got issues and we've all got issues and it's like my marriage or it's my kids or it's, it's all these different things and there's always like a specific book on a specific thing and like how could you ever read all the books in the world that have the perfect family and perfect marriage and perfect job and spend your money the perfect way and, and, and be the right kind of person and spiritually meditate and all these types of things. How could you ever read all those books? Like it's just get it all to Jesus. And what I ask is, is, do we have this kind of faith in our lives? Do we, do we take risks? Do we have a, of a, a tenacity? Because we can read what Paul says in, in Ephesians 2, and for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, and it's okay, so I believe, I'm good to go. And, and, and we, we, we create such a sterile version of faith and then you begin to read the Gospels where Jesus is at, and it's like this radical self-abandonment, like, I'm going to die to all these things that are confusing me and filling my life, and I've just got to get this thing to Jesus. And if you want your life healed this morning, you just got to get to Jesus. You got to read his word. You got to start applying what he says, and just do that. You got to be a part of a faith family that can help you with the specifics in your life. You weren't created to do this thing alone. the paralyzed man had been alone, he would have remained alone and paralyzed and unforgiven. God does work in community. And 
And my, my closing thought for you today is I want you to look at the paralyzed man and I want you to imagine yourself in that sin that you can't overcome. I want you to imagine that struggle that has just always been there. I, I want you, maybe you're not a believer this morning, maybe you're, you're, you're figuring things out and we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. It's really simple what we believe. We just believe that we have faith in Jesus and that he heals us and that he does a work in us. And all we have to do is, is to believe in him and to obey what his word says and he kind of works everything else out. It's pretty simple. But I just want to tell you this morning to rise up and walk because we don't have to be paralyzed in sin any longer. And sometimes just because it's hard, just because there's resistance and tension, it doesn't mean you need to give up. It just means that you've got to create a hole in the roof. You've got to want it a little bit more. Have you ever achieved something great in your life? Was it easy? No. And everything that we face in this life, everything that you will ever face, we just got to get it to Jesus. What does he say about it? Let's do that. Pray with me. Father, we, we come before you and we just ask for your spirit to come and to give us the faith that we need. Father, I have no idea in my own life why it's so hard to surrender sometimes, but as humans, we, we come to find that to be true. But I just pray that, that you would show us in our lives what we need to do to get to you. I pray you would show us today what needs to be changed in our lives to pursue you more. And I pray that you would give us the tenacious faith, this, this risk-taking kind of faith that it takes to follow you. God, I pray that as a, a faith family, God, that you would just continue to, to bless us as you have been, Lord. But I pray we would not get comfortable, Lord. I pray we would love the tension in our lives. We'd love the tension in our church of like, we feel like we're, we're doing stuff, but like you're wanting us to take that next step, God. I, I pray that we would really walk this life of faith and, and this journey, God, that we would be excited to do it, Lord. I pray that if there are those this morning who are not walking with you or who have strayed, God, I pray you to awaken their hearts this morning. Awaken the hearts to the grace that is available in the name of Jesus Christ that we receive through faith. And I just pray that as we journey together as a family, God, 
that you would be with us, that you would guide us, and that you would just give us the joy and the peace that this world cannot offer. And we ask all these things in the perfect name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, We're going to sing a song together. Uh, If you'll stand at this time, I'll be here at the front to receive you. Uh, If you need prayer, the altar is open. Uh, If you need to learn more about Jesus or join this church, uh, I'll be here at the front.